Welcome, everybody, to the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. We played Nashville a couple times. The exit in, I think. Really? Yeah. That's a nice little spot, too. Yeah. Was it, were y'all headlining or? No, we were support for somebody. Okay. Do you remember who it was? Fuck no. <laughs> Something good for ya. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast where we sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and beside me this time is Captain Nunn. <laughs> What's up, y'all? I get to look at the TV in the the little digital fireplace we got going. Yeah, our guest fucked us up today. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. man. <laughs> oh, I forgot I was a guest, so he take- started fucking it up is forgetting I'm going to be here. It's like I'm getting replaced. <laughs> we got Tony Leon back with us. What's up? This is a loose fit episode. We're not going to worry about too many topics just kind of roll yeah. out the side of our pants. I like that, that loose fit. And we That's are actually she don't said. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> well, your initial reason for coming over is we're finally working out some super jets. Yeah. Yeah, man. We had a good time. That was yes. awesome. Yes. Been writing all goddamn weekend, I feel like. <laughs> well, it's we're fun. To, well, we're having to get ready for all this shit because you've got a bunch of shows lined up. Fillins have a bunch of shows lined up. We're trying to get super jet shows in the middle of all that. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty We have one at least. We do? Oh, yeah, yeah. Rimrocks. Yeah, we had the one at Rimrocks Rim 2020. Yep. So we've at least got that to look forward to. I got a couple I'm actually working on in the spring. Might okay. Happen. Ooh, okay. Might be a little milestone show that we might take. Cause, Sweet. Um, should I say it now? Like, I'll have to... Uh, maybe wait till it's confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's not confirmed. <laughs> I'll just... It's our friends, but... Okay. Do you remember um, Chocha Loca? The name sounds familiar. Yeah, so they're now... The penitentials. Have you seen oh, them at I've all? I've heard of them, yeah. So Jason and, I mean, they, Dirtbag Love Affair and them oh, rode around a lot. Church Loca. Yeah. 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 So, and Terry, Terry is the bass player. We have always had a, a great time together. And so I know they've got a show coming up and I'm trying to work one with Super Jet and them because that would just be perfect. Oh, yeah. Genre. I mean, everything. Penitentials are great. I'm glad to see them back out there. Uh, doing it i gotta do some research on them it's kind of one of those things where there's old salty rock and rollers that have been around for a long time and <laughs> they get burned by the yeah, industry when we get when we get around that long we're like yeah fuck promotions and shit like that <laughs> we're gonna do it the way we want to do it from now on yeah <clears throat> alex are you there yet we ain't got no, cough buttons cough. yet jesus christ <laughs> Alex's like, no. I ain't there yet, you old crotchety <laughs> bastard. Well, I don't, well, I'm just sitting here going, I'm like, well, I can't relate. I'm in the promotions game. <laughs> yes. You're doing a great job. Thank you. By the way, congratulations on the videos, boys. Thank, Thank you. The video, yeah, it was fun to watch. It was good. It was. You were in it. I was fun to say, film. <laughs> you're video famous once again. I feel like we should do a, um, 
like a party. Like everyone that was there should then we should all go out one night. Yes, it's called uh, the Milestone on March, March 21st. The, the, the album release show. That's where the party's going to be. <laughs> everyone should come out to that and have a grand old time with us. I've already been like pushing hard. It's like, hey, it's like, say, hey, thanks for coming out. By the way, we have our release show. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to come hang for that and celebrate. But Silver Tongue Devils and the Wallbirds are going to be on it. So. Cool. Yes. Will the naked guy be there? Atticus? More than likely. We'll, we'll try to get him out. All right. He's, he's coming up to the rim show, apparently. <laughs> Balls out. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a party, man. I'm sure if, uh, yeah, if Christian's there, he'll be there. That's what Christian will be there. They, so they, they were saying better be there. <laughs> and Home for the Day is going to be there. That's true. So they're bringing the whole crew. Cool. Yeah. But on that note, before we get any further into this episode, we got to throw it on over to Johnny G for his Maverick Minute to see what's going on in the Charlotte and surrounding areas. Take it away, Johnny. going on Charlotte Music Scene? This is Johnny G from Reporting for Tony XX. Here to give you something a little good for your weekend coming up ahead. Over at the Evening Muse on Friday, February 28th, we have XOXOXOK with One Way North at 7pm, followed by Shaw Davis and the Black Ties with Junkhead Jane at 10. Over the World Famous Milestone, we have Octum Day with Southern Circle, Ever Wraith and the Wraiths of Sedition at 8pm. At the Neighborhood Theater, Real Big Fish with Big D in the Kids' Table and Keep Flying at 7. Vigilant Theater, A-B-A-C-A-B, The Music of Genesis at 7 p.m. Snug Harbor's Player Maid coming in for an extra session, usually at the beginning of the month, but it's the CIAA edition, so go in at 9 p.m. Amos is South in Praxivita. Oh, by the way, this is a home school, or a... Uh, Hometown show, so I think you should go and pay attention because Proximita with Fear Until Fury, 50 Flies, and Altered Vision, the new edition of Swamp 78, comes in at 7 p.m. Go check that show out. Skylark Social Club, Reverie Soul with Uncle Buck and Finwick at 7 p.m. Tommy's Pub, Big Al in Port of Blue at 8. Thomas Street Tavern, Josh Daniel and Jeremy Shaw bring it in with Curtis Wingfield at 10. Now we're getting into our Saturday, the Big Day. The World Famous Milestone Club, as always, brings it in with Local Only Saturday with DJ Teddy and Mike Bauer, free from 4 to 8 p.m., followed by Crackers and Snack Beat with the Commonwealth and Evergon at 8. I love that name. The Neighborhood Theater bringing in Downtown Abbey and the Echo's Leap Day single release with Ellis Dyson and the Shambles at 8 p.m. Now, this announcement's going to be a little bit longer because I got to drive home the importance of it. The Urban Ministry Center and Men's Shelter of Charlotte Benefit Concert happening at Snug Harbor happens every year around the same time. Now the set's coming up. Petrov, Indigo Joe, and the Houston Brothers, all these people coming in to support a really good cause. So if you've got nothing going on on Saturday, please go over to Snug Harbor, give a little bit, bring some clothes, bring some food supplies, and bring a little bit of cash to throw at the center so they can keep running and keep guys off the street that shit is so important i really want you to be there at 8 p.m now back to regular scheduled announcements petra's off the wall at 9 p.m skylark social club btr the bottom album release party at 6 30 p.m over at tommy's pub the straight jackets return with heavy liquid and mercury dimes at eight now we're getting over to the last day of the weekend last day of ciaa traffic it's going to be the ides of march march 1st 
Evening News, Laura Rabel at 7 p.m. The World Famous Milestone Club Metal Church Sunday service from 4 to 8 p.m. They're still open, they're still praising, they're still drinking. Over at Snug Harbor, as once, as always, it's the Bone Snugs and Harmony Karaoke Session at 6 p.m. Tommy's has got a double header this week. Bluegrass, uh, totally polar opposite things. Bluegrass Open Jam with Greg M. Clark and Friends at 6 p.m. Followed by one of the biggest dance events. We have one Friday. We have one Sunday. I want you guys to come out. I was there last time. It was kind of lit. Reflections. New Wave, Dark Wave, Industrial Dance with DJ Valentine, DJ Johnny Star, DJ Tech Bat, and DJ Sandy Anna at 9 p.m. Y'all, I want you to stay safe out there this weekend. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be stuff going on. But do your thing. Have fun. I'll see you out there. Check me on WordPress over on Facebook, over on Instagram. I will always have what's going on. So if any surprise events come through, you got me and I got you. This is Johnny G signing up. And we're back. Thank you, good sir. <laughs> I swear, time travel's so weird. I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, Cap, you said you actually had a couple things you wanted to bring up. Uh, I mean, uh, writing in general has been a lot of fun. And we were talking earlier about how uh, writing fill-in songs is way different from writing with you and with singer and with like frontman singers in general. Right. For me, I mean, even though Alex sings for the fill-ins, I sing every now and then. We're trying to find our footing as like a vocal duo with like uh, things going forward. But we've never written with a vocal melody in mind first. Maybe once or twice, like I've tried to, like I've heard a melody in my head, kind of like what Tony was doing. He hears something and basically what we were doing is transposing, you know, what he heard in his head. I'll sometimes do that and then bring it to the table. Right. But very rarely do I have something in my head that I can't really get out onto guitar. But for your overall thing, yeah, I can't, I very rarely ever start with lyrics. Yeah, I, um, First of all, I've been super lucky to be just around talented people, talented guitar players, quite honestly. And so you've had a slew of them. For yeah, sure. I know. So <laughs> being able to get just sing and then someone interpret that mm -hmm. is not not common. Right. So I, I had to realize that first. And the other thing is when you do that, because for, for anyone listening, I don't play an instrument other than harmonica. Right. And you don't really write songs on a harmonica right there's <laughs> multiple keys yeah, yeah i would have yeah. to do all like even to play one song you'd be picking up six different harps right <laughs> which would be totally weird it's almost like icing on the cake a harmonica exactly so when i first started getting the guts to go let me sing this song to you that i have an idea of i first had to remember all right they're not going to interpret it however i sing it but two that's the best thing that can happen because that's creativity at work. Exactly. However, you interpret what I'm singing and what the song then becomes is the best version of that song. Right. Because it's not my version. My version kind of sucks. It's <laughs> when it gets in the in the atmosphere, then what does it become? And I think we we kind of got there tonight, which was fun. Oh yeah. So that's that's what I first had to realize was don't hold on to your shit so tight that mm -hmm. you're telling people who are way better at what you're trying to get accomplished done it was so that was step one and it's kind of been that way ever since and with the working relationship that you two have had in the past was it easier to write riffs around with his uh, vocal style i think this is really this is really the first time we've been creative together though yeah really? 
Yeah. Because even with my short stint in 21 CG, I was just helping you. I was learning songs that you guys were writing so the writing process could continue. Correct. I, I may have had like my tiny little note here or there, like, oh, let's actually stop here. But by the time that got around to being finished, it would have just been part of the band unit. It wasn't anything I really had a huge say in. Yeah. So this is the first time we've really been creative together. The only other time... I think I had a creative hand in something that wound up being a finished product was there was a time that Scotty, Davey, and I went to the practice space and we were fine tuning uh, Bye Baby Girl. Okay. And, and cool. there and there was a few moments where there was I remember kind of going no I, like some of the certain stops. The only thing y'all didn't have yet was the um, golden hair, uh, the little slow part. Yeah, yeah. That was the only part that wasn't there when that I was doo-wop-y writing. Kind of yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, the little doo-wop thing right. wasn't there when we were demoing it. But I remember like certain little stops and like a chord progression, s- small change that actually slipped on through and always kind of held that. I was like, I helped write that one. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Until now, we can be like, yes, we're writing together for yeah. real. This is it. It's, it's kind of fun, right? I mean, it's way fun. It's way different, too. Because, like I said, we're guitar, like writing out guitar parts. We kind of like t- overthink it and we're like, what if we try uh, this? Uh, uh, chord progression here. Oh no, that's way too many chords. But with like a vocal uh, demo or anything like that, or a vocal just melody, it's just I don't know. For me, it, it's super fun, but it's super different, right? And it's a way different headspace to well, get creative around. I think what's interesting is, I, I if I go back, I do it two ways. I sing out what I think the guitar should be, mm-hmm. but then there's another portion of that where I go, I have a chorus idea. This is yeah. what the the lyric should sound like. Y'all bring in what's behind that. We kind of did both of that tonight. Yep. I had one where it was like, these are the lyrics, mm-hmm. and this is the way the the chorus should go. And then I was going, riff idea, take it away. Yeah. We'll figure out the rest of it later. I'm mm-hmm. so jealous of that. I am so bad with lyrics. Like I'll write out phrases and stuff here and there, but I can never find like a song to attach them to unless there's a melody already. Like but, it's kept me but in bands. But you've done that twice now. <laughs> You did that with hate, and you did that with personally, right? But uh, I had to give them to you first, uh, and I'm good at that. Like as far as like writing out everything, and uh, I just kind of like sent Alex like a lyrical diary, and just be like, here, here's all my words that I've written out. <laughs> Repurpose them however you feel. Right. Yeah, I, like I mean, it. but but I feel that just kind of turns in. That's just part of our working relationship too. Is I'll, I'll throw you half an idea, and you'll finish it. You you'll throw you'll spit out an idea, and I'll finish. I mean, hell, even when we were doing super jet stuff tonight. I know your guitar playing skill in a certain way to where it's like, I don't have the talent to play it. I know you do, but I hear the riff Tony's doing because I've heard his music for so long and I'm just going, right. no, 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 second octave. No, okay. yeah. Slightly higher. <laughs> there you go. You're doing it now. There so it is. Two <laughs> strings, not one, but two. Is it, you know, I, I'll throw this back to you guys. And this is not, I'm not talking shit about any of y'all because you guys are wonderful musicians, but I don't think either one of you would claim yourselves like musical geniuses. No. You're like fans of music and rock. Yes. So there's a level of someone who is really exceptional. Actually, Mm -hmm. I would put Matthew, my nephew, in that territory where he's exceptional because he's writing songs based on his age where you're going, holy crap. Yeah. And he's writing every part, drums, guitars. Mm-hmm. He's got the the backgrounds, the harmonies. He's got everything yeah. figured out. And then he attracts talent to fill that in. 
we require <laughs> each <laughs> other. Yeah. Yes. So like, <laughs> I can't do this by myself. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the thing too, is I used to be, I used to be like so strung in on that, but it's like ever since, you know, Mikey started kind of getting a lot better feel for what we're doing. And he's really growing a taste for the Swedish rock stuff. He's finding stuff by himself and sending it to us. And yeah. we're going, fuck yeah, dude, nice. this rocks. So it's like, he's really fallen into, you know, the vibe and everything. So I think, I got spoiled being able to bounce stuff off Cap and Mikey now to where it's like, it's hard for me to complete a song because I'm like, no matter what I do with this, by the time I toss it to them, it's going to get better. So I almost don't have the motivation to fully write it because I'm just like, I want to throw it to these guys now and see what they do with it. More music will happen because you don't have to like take it start to finish. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the cool thing. Just surround yourself. Even if they're not killer writers, just killer players and something will come out of it. Yeah. And I think, again, that also just comes from being like-minded individuals music-wise. Yeah. Because if you tried explaining this to someone that, you know, wasn't into this sort of music, they would spit out something totally different, and it wouldn't be what you're looking for. Exactly. I remember there was a a song that Tommy wrote, Tommy Ray, Grave Rollers, Mm -hmm. and it was a good song, and we were just like, we couldn't. We, we finished it, and we could not come to grips with it being our song. And I kept saying, well, there's this Michael Monroe song, right? I kept saying, and there's this part, and he was, he was like, hey, man, and Tommy's like, man, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That's what, like how, he starts <laughs> oh, real yeah. Strong, yeah, like, and oh, so God. I said, well, can I have it? Can I have the song? And Tommy said, absolutely, have the song. Yeah. So I took it in a dirt bag, mm-hmm. and I told Devin, I said, these are the breaks I'm hearing, and it's like that Michael Monroe song, and he goes, done, and it became, <laughs> yep. so that ended up on the All Spit EP. Mm-hmm. It was, um, What's that? Uh, fuck. Now I'm having a brain fart of even what song it is. I got to look it up. <laughs> I Do go the back. Jeopardy. No, no, no. It's not I Go Back. That song came to me uh, in a, odd, oddly enough, I Go Back. I woke up at like three in the morning singing that chorus in a country style. <laughs> I, I think uh, about you. Yeah. <laughs> I go back to the liquor store and buy some jazz. I don't know if you ever heard this, but I tracked a country version of that at Steve's one time. Damn. That's how it was originally written. Too far away? No. Uh Fools Like Me. Fools Like Me. Okay. Cause it's it's that mm-hmm. think of it like that social D Fools Like Me. Oh, I can totally win. hear that now. And that you know that Oh, that's was, exactly what I got from it when I heard it. Yeah. And it's that the opening That's the Michael Monroe part. Oh, okay. The, the gray rollers, Tommy was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Hanor, like, no. Why listen to skate punk and, and hardcore? I mean, but that still sounds skate punk. You could, He could have no. heard a skate There's punk a, in that. Not really. really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. You don't think so? So that... All right. But look, I mean... It, hey, it turned out good, It ended though. up in one of my bands. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. <clears throat> well, because that was also something that we were discussing when we were finally wanting to transition and have super jet be originals too, which is how are we going to separate fill-ins material from super jet material? Right. And I think, cause we played some songs that we wrote together and then it was in such contrast for what we were writing together. I think it became pretty evident that by the time you get into the mix, it's going to have its own style and its own flavor that it's going to be super jet. Yeah. And all y'all got to do is lend me one or two. 
<laughs> Not one of the ones we just did. No, no. no. <laughs> so we got keepers. You can you can have the bullshit Green Day riff. Yeah. <laughs> Because I fell into that trap uh, for those listening. Uh, you get you fall into those traps where you think you have the coolest thing ever, but then it turns uh-huh. out to be something you've heard a million times. Yeah. Walking contradiction from Green Day. Yeah. So for the audience, anyone not writing music, this happens all the time, by yeah. the way. You yeah. end up, especially you'll bring one to practice. Really, you're like, I just wrote the best riff ever. And then you bring it into someone, yeah, it was written 10 years ago. It was awesome <laughs> back then, too. How far has a song gotten before you guys have realized that? Oh man, I remember we got really close, like to where you're doing the phone recordings, uh-huh. and you've worked out changes. To we realized it was an airborne song. Uh-huh. <laughs> Damn. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like stop for, for stop, beat for beat, <laughs> riff for riff. It was an airborne song written like three albums ago. We we're like, uh-huh. the worst is we had this uh, today. We'll play a riff and go, that's something. Yeah. What is that? Right. There's no way this isn't already a thing. Uh, yeah. Seriously, and it was one of them we played for you, and you didn't, and I didn't say anything about it, and you didn't hear it, notice it. So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, you it know, it was what? us in the moment, just feeling like we had something that was there already. Dude, when that happens, we're taking the old man approach into grave rollers. Uh huh. Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> like, what are you going to come sue us? You know, well, like, it, it, if you have those sort of influences wearing on your sleeve and then people that are also fans of that band hear the song and then they right. go this sounds like yada yada dude there's a little bit of I would like, totally uh, be that Biter's co- built an entire <laughs> fucking life on that okay it's in their name taking bites out of popular songs <laughs> that's a that's a hip hop term <laughs> yeah I know. actually it is yeah right and it's, you everybody's, know it's bite, everybody's biting my shit right <laughs> motherfucker taking bites out of my shit. What was that? Wu-Tang? Yeah. Yes. On uh, the Raekwon album. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go, folks. We're full circle. <laughs> he's like, but no, I'm, I'm not going to say the slang, but he's like, these motherfuckers <laughs> taking bites out of my shit. But I would totally be that guy that's like, oh, that sounds exactly like such and such. Because Alex has ridden in the cars with me. Oh, yeah. I'm always like, oh, here's that, here's that riff. Oh, here's that part. <laughs> Eventually, you get tired of it. You got to go, fuck it. I'm writing it anyways. There's been a few times we went, fuck it, mainly because it was something so obscure or something that happens so much anyway. We're like, ah, it's just, let's do it anyway. Or there will be parts of songs that I will specifically name it as like, all right, this is the Love Gun riff. This is the <laughs> the Green Day drum beat and so on and so forth. Nice. <laughs> well, yeah, Green Day drum beat to the Green Day bass line you wrote. Shut up. <laughs> It's fun. Uh, ba- now I know how to play that fucking Green Day song now. So I learned to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's all I can take away from it. <laughs> Do you ever like uh, lyric police yourself with words and everything? Not really. Um, I, I think part of my writing is I try to purposefully avoid certain things, right? So that makes the writing interesting. So not really. I don't. By lyric police, you mean like avoid what's already been done or. Or like certain words that you might have used like. Uh, too much things like that it's like oh so do i need or like subject matter and things like that yeah i think um because i've been in so many projects Mm -hmm. i take it by project so like each project has its own ethos right dirtbag had one thing goliath had one thing grave rollers has one thing super jet will have this thing because i've been promiscuous with my band life (laughs) i i keep them in there i don't let Goliath bleed over into right. Super Jet or yeah. Grave Rollers bleed into this. So yeah, that's my stance on it. 
but you can certainly, you know, fall into that. There's a, like, uh, with, um, getting older, like, uh, seeing where you are, uh, in life, kind of like, uh, uh help with the uh, lyric choices and stuff like that too. Dude. Or do you pull back from just the yeah, memory a bank? Little bit. I mean, it's interesting. Cause we talked about this just 30 minutes ago. I don't want to be the, you know, crotchety old man. I'm only, <laughs> fuck, I'm only 30. I'll be 38 in a couple months. So I'm not like, you know, on death doorstep by any means, right. but I'm not that 20 something fucking ready to rip everyone's head off mm-hmm. guy either. So right. things have changed. Things have certainly changed. So can I fake the angst? Not really. I can redirect it towards other things. Yeah. Because I don't think the angst ever goes away. No, no. God, no, it just gets redirected. I mean, no, I mean, have you heard the new bad religion record? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, so it, that's part of it. Like you redirect mm-hmm. a lot and perspective yeah. adds to it and everything. Hell, I too. wrote a song in Grave Rollers about being really pissed off at your HOA. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck it. <laughs> Punk rock as hell. I did write. There was one. It's like it's the lyrics are. I never thought I'd have as much money as I do. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's like. I still feel broke as the day one. You're like, I like talking about how the fuck did I have this much money, which I never dreamed of having back in my shithead days. Right. And now I still feel broke and pissed off at some things. I still pay bills and mm-hmm. ta- like, because everything just changes. Everything. It's, yeah. it's like, instead of, Oh, I need to scrape together the grocery bill to get, you know, the wrong. And now it's, I got to scrape together, get the grocery bill to feed the wife and the kid and, the kid and everything and send else. The kid to uh-huh. school. So it's like, it's, yeah. even though you've got more income, you've also got a lot more needing that income. Yeah, so the <laughs> angst gets just placed there. You look at my paycheck and see how much the man takes. You're still pissed off say, at the man. Yeah, new tax brackets. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> oh, I figured that one out quick when I was working kitchen because uh, it was like my first like non-minimum wage job. And it's like I got like finally like double digits on the paycheck. I was like, fuck yeah. And I like, hourly rather. And I finally look at it and it's like, a little bit less than what I was being paid at like eight fifty nine bucks an hour, and I'm like, what Wait. the f- what the shit? Wait, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I was like, I looked into it. I was like, yeah, because you get paid like eleven bucks an hour, you're in a new tax bracket now. Right. I'm like, son of a bitch. Is this what the Clash was singing about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> it never gets better. <laughs> no. <laughs> now I talking about lyric policing. I have to stop. I wind up writing down stuff and then listening to something later going, fuck, I totally just stole his lyrics. So what do you lyric police yourself about? I mean, how many, by the way, how many albums have you written now? Three. Well, let's accumulatively four fill-ins records. Yeah. And then I had a quote unquote solo record full of songs that I'd written. And that was like maybe another 10. Those are about the, all the finished songs. So you got like four to five albums worth of material. Yeah. So you have to have had the lyric police yourself at this point. So what what have you been your themes where you go, all right, I've worked that one to death? I don't know. I don't think I've ever lyric policed myself in, in the way of I've used that rhyme before. Right. Because especially with each album, it's been so different. The the ideas and content and like hipster killers 
was so different from Fifth Time's a Charm, which right. is so different from The Time Is Now, which is now different from Never Heard Of Them, that I almost haven't had to lyric police myself on stuff I've already written. I lyric police myself in stuff that I hear another person's song, and I'm like, uh-huh. fuck, that's that guy's line. I yeah. can't use that. <laughs> Unless you bite it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to do that. <laughs> Not yet, at least. You can do it like once per album. I did like a, I remember biting a Rose Tattoo lyric that was so obscure and like only Rose Tattoo fans would know. I can't even remember what song it was, but it was. I think the only time I distinctly remember you calling back to lyrics is when it worked, which was in By Little Girl, Fall in Love, You'll Be Gone by the Morning. Right. Yeah. That was, but that was from a song I'd already written. Yeah. Yeah, So so I think that's, I think that sort of thing's a cool callback and how we shouted you guys out and feeling good. Meet my friends down at fourth and mine. That was great. So I think little things like that work. Yeah. Songwriting press is so interesting. Like, mm-hmm. and it's so weird because I've only been like writing lyrics like maybe since time is now. Yeah, or if I've been confident enough to like be like, here's I have lyrics exactly, I can yeah. write, and so it's still relatively new to me. Like I've been playing guitar and like writing music forever. I can write music for days, but I have like zero confidence in lyrics half the time. So it's a new process for me, and I have to like uh, now I'm listening to like people I normally haven't listened to in the last few years to kind of pick up. Uh, the songwriting aspect of it, like the Bob Dylans and Neil Youngs of the world and wow, shit like yeah. that. Are you um, writing any for Kelsey or she's... She's doing all the lyric writing. All I do is uh, come up with the music, but cool. I threw a couple of like lines here and there, but uh, nothing. there weren't anything spectacular here. I think, <laughs> or so uh, on she the, said. Oh, no, actually, you know what? You know, <laughs> my, like, I, on no the, cap. On the, yeah, actually, it was a few of those, but <laughs> on Glass Slipper, uh, the last uh, track off the uh, CD... Uh, her whole thing was uh, referencing Disney movies about uh, how she doesn't need any like princes or anything like that, and uh, it's like I don't need you to kiss me up. I'd rather get my sleep and yada yada yada. And my and uh, I threw the Aladdin reference in there with like my carpet's not for you to ride. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! <laughs> hey, she took it and ran with it. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. That was my one lyric contribution on there the whole go. album. <laughs> yeah, and like with hate, uh, again, like what you said, you sent me like a bunch of lines that rhymed and yeah. I kinda, and basically I just kind of took different segments of it repurposed them and like rewrote a few ends right but I'd say a good 70 75 percent of the lyrics on that were still yours right and then in personally I think that's where you pulled because I sent you like lyrics to a few of them but I think on yeah, personally that, you pulled yeah that was the one that I did the most mixed match you sent me like two or three different ideas and I was like none of these are solid but I like this line I like this line I like this one put all those together then I've wrote the third half and because i i'm not that confident with lyric writer or anything like that i have no ego attached to them whatsoever some so, so i just go like here do what you want with them well that can go two ways like you could have an ego where i don't want to be embarrassed i'm not going to share anything that's the that's the detriment like when people actually start just uh-huh. throwing it out there and you got a cohesive enough unit where you go i can tell you that sucks and no one's going to be butthurt about it yeah that's the real part i we were writing a song in the Grave Rollers about. Um, I told everybody, I was like, my idea is the song's about growing up surfing in Charleston on Folly Beach. And there was this massive influx of people from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And you would see these. Ohio of all places. Oh, dude. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there was actually a website called gobacktoohio.com that got featured on the news what? in Charleston. Oh, yeah. I love it. it was bad. Like Ohio web or. Uh, License plates everywhere. This is when Charleston was starting to 
get popular. When I was growing up, it was real small town. Yeah. But you'd start seeing these, no offense to anyone from Ohio, but these just like people that you clearly were not from yeah, James Island. You, and you ain't Beach. from around here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Surfing. And I'd be, we'd be like, get the fuck off our block. <laughs> like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And so I wrote a song about remembering like, Get the fuck off my block. A, you took my parking spot. B, <laughs> like, I see your fucking plate, asshole. Yeah, you're cutting me off on this. Like, so the whole thing was, and so um, Johnny goes, yeah, like, why don't you write a, a line? It's like, this Buckeye's going to get a black eye. And I was like, Ooh. yes. I was like, it's very like point break meets. Like, say, yeah, yeah. They're just rolling up like Patrick Swayze. Yeah, like, I'm going to cut someone's leash. <laughs> I'm totally going to bring a knife and cut someone's leash. Like, <laughs> fuck off. That is absolutely fuck the first I. movie I thought of. Well, that's also what I was going to ask is like throughout. Uh, Easy war child. <laughs> like, Best character name ever. Johnny Utah. <laughs> like primarily dirtbag and grave rollers. Uh, how much has like Davey, Devin, or like Tiki and anyone else had like in the lyric writing? Um, Grave Rollers have had the most in lyric. I've had to do the least amount of lyric writing. I've only had to fill in gaps. Okay. Which is, so like there'll be a, a, maybe a, a chorus and a first verse, and I'll have to fill in the rest of the verses, tighten up the chorus, bridge, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So the gray roll has been a pretty easy ride. It's been how has that been actually? Especially because it feels like with at least Dirtbag, a lot of that was you writing lyrics yeah. for. So now, how is it different? Like reading someone else's lyrics and then having to transpose it and almost kind of have to own it because you're not playing anything else. You are only doing vocals, yeah. so you have to own it like you wrote it. The good news was I really liked how it was already brought to me. So like right. that was step one, and two was. Can I think of a way to do it better? It's either yes or no. If it's yes, then you try. If it's no, then you just try and add. And then it goes back to, can I give it a different cadence? Mm-hmm. You know, because someone will be thinking of it as a drummer would, or someone's thinking of it as a guitar player would. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it a cadence as the audience might think of it. And so that might be the only thing I do. Right. But for the grave rollers, I mean, you ever. Um, Getting a new band and everyone's bringing their best shit because they've been holding on to it right for years. That's kind of <laughs> how the grave rollers where they're like, "Fuck yeah, we finally got back in a band and a, a band that we could be in." And mm-hmm. because Tommy and Tiki were in country and rockabilly bands, mm-hmm. Johnny was in rockabilly, and now it's the first time they got into back into punk rock and roll. Yeah, and it's like they brought in this bag of. Goodies. Goodies. Yeah. <laughs> right, Musical so. goodies. Yeah. It was kind of nice, man. I was uh, sharing some riffs with Alex not too long ago because uh, I just I got an acoustic guitar not too long ago that I just stick around the house with. And I'll fall into that trap of like uh, writing rock songs, like, you know, with just the acoustic guitar and just have like a little campfire vibe to it or whatever. Mm. And it's really easy to get stuck in, in that hold right with trying to write big rock songs yeah because <laughs> well because it was uh one of them that we were playing for you and it had like the strumming was good and i liked the chords and everything but it just had too much of like a 
kind of like just the campfire you kind of sway into the side kind of vibe to it and i was like and it's like we had to just completely stop being silenced for a second and i just started doing johnny strum just and i just pl- started playing the same riff and i was like okay this feels better Let- let's at least start here and then right. we slowly started morphing it from that to where it's okay okay now it's a little more choppy and it's now amazing it's how just plucky. little things like that add to it even like a little key change oh yeah stuff we did like it that. tonight on some of the things that Mm-hmm. I was singing. Yeah. You were like, well, let's hold on to this a couple more times and then make it fat. I was like, mm, mm-hmm. yes, please. Yeah, because, again, there was a few of them where it's like, I like the groove, but it felt a little slow with how you were humming. I was like, do we want to go fast? Do we want to go slow? Yeah. And when, when we sped it up, that felt right. Ah, I love it. <laughs> it feels good. Well, it's like we're finally getting into the creative groove, everyone. It's like it feels like everyone's kind of falling out of that slump we've been in. It's a winter slump. Yeah, I hate it. It doesn't feel like it's the middle of February either, though. Because the sun was out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, since uh, Christmas, whatever, it feels like it's been, like, months since Christmas to me at this point for some reason. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, even with the shorter, you know, amount of days, February does sometimes just fly by. This one has crept by. Dude, at Citadel, we used to call it fucked up February. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's when all your inspections happen, which were horrible. Yeah. Anyone in, that has a military background knows, like, you know, commandant and type uh, inspections are just incredibly stupid and shitty. <laughs> like they look at every fucking detail, God, no. and they're they're top down driven. It's like this whole thing, but they would throw them in February, right after we're coming back from break. The whole thing. So we, yeah, yeah, yeah. So every time February rolls around, it's fucked up February. Yeah. Has that kind of mentality stuck with you where February is just Fuck the hardest yeah. for you yeah. just because you have that ingrained in you almost? Absolutely. Because how many years were you at Citadel? Four years. Yeah. So four years of that repetition and knowing that's going to happen, I do feel like that would kind of stick. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> February is where I try to get all my ducks in a row was like going to see the eye doctor, uh, trying to see about my car. <laughs> <and> proper. <laughs> making sure, well, especially this year with everything got uh, coming up, I want to make sure everything's in line because all you my weekends a, are about to be booked. <laughs> so you almost need a physical before all this. I got to. <laughs> <laughs> While I have insurance. <laughs> How are you going to have a girlfriend? <sighs> I don't plan on having one anytime soon with my schedule. I can't. <laughs> I've had this conversation and with... And he's the, also going, I'm in a rock and roll band. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that show? At the Milestone? We were like, what the fuck? And like, There's like three girls just like staring at cats. <laughs> like, how is this possible? Not, it's not, not you, but it's the whole bass player thing. Yeah. Like, God. <laughs> it was like everyone stage left. Uh-huh. It's the hair, man. Am I that guy? Am I that guy in the band now? <laughs> hey, when we dropped that video, everyone's complimenting your hair, dude. <laughs> so what well, is I'm the goal it. with the hair? I don't know. I'll find out on the at the milestone date. We'll see how uh, I'll grow it out till then and see how ridiculous it gets. I like it, man. I think I think of all your cuts that suit you the best. You just had to get through that awkward fro stage, but ever since you yeah. kind of like started brushing it down, it really does have. Like, you've got the right vibe for it. And no joke, everybody calls me fucking Conway Twitty. <laughs> Everybody at work, <laughs> people I meet, <laughs> but not. But it's not that much anymore. It's not no, as poofy dude, as it used to I be. I think you need to own the Bon Scott look. You're about to be there. Ooh, I'll like, take that. You should go. You should go with like waist high jeans, bell bottoms, no <laughs> shirt, 
denim vest. <laughs> I don't have. Well, I guess Bon Scott didn't really have. <laughs> You've got string bean physique, <laughs> dude. Embrace the skinny. The rest of us don't have it. All right. Oh, I'm enjoying it as much as I yeah. can right now. <laughs> I think I would. As soon as that shit gets to your shoulders, shirt off. <laughs> Make sure I get like a big chain you or medallion. You do need a high-waisted jeans, though. <laughs> get you some bell-bottoms. Yes. I thought about it. High-waisted jeans, bell-bottoms, done. And then get that Charlie Pride shirt that I'm going to give you. Yes. You'll be done. <laughs> get my Motley Crue boots. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'm going to bang you right now. <laughs> so like I said, he don't need a girlfriend. He's going to be just fine. That's <laughs> true. I was like talking with, uh, it was my grandfather's... Uh, wife that he remarried uh, not too long ago she's like do you have a girlfriend I, like, I don't have time for a girlfriend I got three bands and a full time job <laughs> well it's like the end goal is to eventually make these bands the job kinda especially with you cause you've been going out doing a lot more stuff like by yourself kinda make yourself a name for yourself outside of Kelsey and Phil ends. I'll just go up uh, just on uh, weeknights and just join in on uh, house bands at like Thomas Street Tavern and shit cool. like that. Yeah, he's starting to kind of get known as like the guitar guy. Smart. It's like if you need some guitar, give Cap a call kind of thing. And, yeah. that's, and that's what you've been wanting to do for like the past year. Pretty that's much. that's why you created that Facebook page yeah. and everything else. That way you've got and doing all those Instagram you, uh, guitar videos and stuff, just kind of putting yourself out there constantly is like, hey, here's all the shit I can do. Because there's not that many people in town doing this kind of thing. But there's a lot of work for like session players and stuff like that. But there's not too many people with the work ethic and the reliable reliable transport yep. and reliable personalities to get it done. And, and it's and it's not even really you tooting your own horn saying I'm reliable, I can get there. It's you want to do it, so right. you will be reliable. <laughs> been doing it for long enough and I love doing it and it's I've been through every bullshit aspect of it and I still love it so and plus you get to play out new studios yes <laughs> you get to test out studios and be like this is cool uh-huh we uh, did a we did a track with Kelsey a couple weeks ago and uh, I've got the guy's con uh, contact info and his rates if uh, for because he had a bunch of fun little toys oh yeah he had like little like vintage that sounded very red door of you <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> No, they had like a little like vintage Fender amps and uh, Wurlitzers and B three yeah, organs cool. and shit like that, and a big room sound too. Oh yeah, and I'm a big studio nerd, so I want to try all of them out. <laughs> as far as like different studio setups and all that too. What age were you when you really started writing music, Tony? Mm, I got a late start, uh, probably twenty one. How did when you started writing music change the way you heard music? Well, that's a good, good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, because I got that late start, I started like any young person has or should. It was really with the blues. Right. Right. So because mm -hmm. I remember there's a version of a song that wound up on the first Goliath record called uh, Lipstick. Yeah, lips. And, there, and there was like a bluegrassy version you used to have on your MySpace page. Right, yeah. I can totally hear a bluegrass version of that song yeah. now that you mentioned So that. Um, back in the day, so if you want like the brief history of how this happened, at the Citadel, you only get, um, first of all, your whole freshman year, you are in the barracks Monday through Friday. And on Friday... You can leave after parade, which is, ends around four o'clock, and to be home by midnight. Saturday the same. Sunday you have to be back by like 
if I remember, like five or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was the lower. Then sophomore through senior year, you get a Wednesday, but you have to be back by seven, and you can be back by one a.m. on the weekends. All so, right. so there's a lot of confined time. Yeah. At the Citadel, and my a friend of mine who I went to high school with ended up being in my company at Citadel, and he he was a good guitar player. And he said, you need to play an instrument. You got too good of an ear. You love music too much. And he gave me a VHS tape and a harmonica. And the VHS was like Blues Harp 101. Yeah. And so I, I, I remember learning how to play it on that VHS and then putting in like BB King and, right. and Buddy Guy and just playing along. And that was how it started. So when I was able to be in a band after I graduated college, we were doing that. And so I was just doing blues. Yeah. I mean, so it it when it came to songwriting, and then we started like, let's try and write one. And then everything came out. Like, yeah. like everything from like fucking morbid angel to <laughs> you know, like like everything that had been in my body, like all of a sudden was like, <laughs> let's start writing some stuff. Yeah. And by the way, Morbid Angel was like the extreme. The other part would be like the seldom scene, which was one of my favorite bluegrass bands. Yeah. And widespread, I was a big widespread panic fan. A Bad lot, Religion. A lot of people don't know that. I like the Grateful Dead a lot. I love Bad huh. Religion, Rancid. Like, so all these things were mashing into, then someone would come up with some random song. So I had a friend of mine. I got lucky. This is my best friend since I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. We ended up going to grade school, high school, and college together. And his name's Mackie Bowles, and he's wild as they come. He was in a great band called the Royal Tinfoil. Oh, I remember them. In Charleston, yeah. yeah. But we started out very early called Baloney. Ah. Which was <laughs> Mackie Bowles and Tony Leone. We were Baloney, and we were a duo. Uh, so it's so it. like we started playing like bars. And so we wrote Lipstick, like, was that... Like that, mm-hmm. it was that picking style, and yep. that's how it, it, it. That one and wasn't Liberty one of them too. Liberty was one that Mackie wrote mm-hmm. that I I basically took. He never recorded it. Mm-hmm. We did it in our band, right? And I was like, "Hey, man, you ever do anything with Liberty?" He said, "No." I said, "Well, I got totally one eighty on that song, but using those lyrics, and that was what we wrote for Liberty." So, yeah. and I gave him writing credits on that, but. I again, I got to thank like people that I've always just been lucky enough. Mackie is a great banjo player, but also he's the one where we went to the Little Stevens Underground Garage Tour where we mm-hmm. saw nice. New York Dolls, what? Chesterfield Kings, Super Suckers, a band called The Needles out of Wilmington, which is a great fucking band, and they've been. Back up, making noise again. Okay. By the way, they're. Fun- I actually I sent you sent me uh, The Needles, yeah, yeah. and um. The Charms, which was like a female-fronted rock and roll band. Okay. It was that one night, and like he and I went to that. We got kicked out all like, <laughs> too, too rowdy. Like the whole thing, but we used to be in all that shit. Yeah. We were together into the Grateful Dead, punk rock, New York, like all that stuff. So when we would write songs, we, we kind of were all there together. So right. it was kind of fun to... So I just, when I look at writing songs, I never got locked into having to do one thing. Yeah, no. I didn't know any better. I don't know chords. I don't know progressions and shit like that. I just knew fucking do something cool and that's it. Now that's an interesting aspect because like for me, when I started playing guitar, when I would listen to a song, I noticed guitar parts more. 
Right. And, and as soon as I started even like looking at a bass, I would start noticing bass lines. It's like, oh, I actually never noticed the bass line in this song. It's like I would take it in such a way now that I'm actually creating the music. When I listen to this stuff, I'm hearing the different layers and the different things that all get put together. And within this past year is the first time I'm really noticing lyrics and vocal melody. Yeah. That's been the hardest thing for me to capture. So it's like I'm almost the reverse of you. And it's important for an audience because... Whether you like it or not, it's it's vocals then guitar. Like, yep, that's just the reality of it, man. Everybody's watching the singer. Everybody's paying attention to the singer more yeah. than anybody else in the band. And, and that's just the bullshit thing that that's been the one thing I've struggled with the most is figuring out my lyrics and feeling figuring out melodies. Yeah, because I will I'll get trapped in a beatbox. Not literal beatbox, but like when you're writing lyrics, you kind of write it out to a certain beat. I can beat. hear that in some of your songs. I, I get trapped in a beatbox. We're co-writing. We're gonna I, at least on that one song, yeah. you started belting out. We're gonna, we're gonna. <laughs> so, fun fact. You ever heard of Chesterfield Kings? I've heard of them. Yeah, I, mean, I know Brad's uh, put them on my radar. They were like 60, they were New York Dolls, but then also a kinda lot like of... Kind of like Black Crows too, right? Ish. Yeah, so they... Man, they're fucking great. And... uh I remember I was sitting in the audience. Is that the music farm in Charleston? And so there was a balcony, which was like a VIP mm-hmm. that looked over the stage. And the singer jumped up onto the balcony, like onto the PAs, leaped over the balcony. And there's an old couch. And he fucking takes the couch, starts to like hoist it up onto the railing, and is about to launch the couch onto the stage to where like, Five music farm employees were like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. This <laughs> sounds about, like an Iggy moment. This is <laughs> about to destroy this whole stage. And, like, I remember that's the one thing I remember from that show, other than getting the boot right around the end of the New York Dolls uh, set. But, man, what a great night. Chesterfield Ginks kind of cemented that moment. It's like little, little pockets of things where you go, I'm going to fucking be that fucked up so like yeah the dirtbag days you remember the early ones where i was mm-hmm. really destructive oh yeah i would think of times like that it was like that guy was about to throw a couch off a second story <laughs> onto the stage and ruins everyone night uh, and i like that i, like <laughs> I want to do yeah, that i want to do who's that. got a couch yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i didn't see anybody like really act wild or like get crazy on stage until i moved to charlotte oddly, oddly enough because i went to school in knoxville knoxville is just a college town at the base of the smoky mountains everybody's in the bluegrass right. and you know uh, that was when uh, jason isbell and sturgill simpson was starting to become popular too that, yeah, so yeah. all of a sudden you get Damn. to Charlotte and like metal and hardcore is like the thing. You actually, got people jumping around on stage, banging their heads and everything actually, else. Actually, I take that back. The only band that would be rowdy as hell whenever they would come to town would be Lucero. Uh, oh yeah, I, I saw them at in Asheville. Oh yeah, with Clutch and the Sword. Oh. Um, what? Yes. Lucero? Okay. I know. <laughs> Very Asheville night. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I saw them in Asheville plenty of times, but like bills that made sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the Clutch and Sword crowd loved them, but there was a Lucero crowd that loved them. Oh, so yeah. The enough. Lucero crowd would get rowdy as fuck, too, because like... I don't know if you keep up with Lucero at all, Alex. They're like a bunch of rowdy kids from Memphis that uh, grew up in punk rock bands but wanted to start a country rock band. But they okay. would, but they would rage and drink like fucking punk rock bands. <laughs> they're, they're fine, man. They're fun. To, they're a great live band. Their records really don't do the live show justice, Agreed. I don't think. Agreed. Yeah, and I find it funny. It's like, especially throughout the years, has there been genres of music that – 
you really didn't give the time of day to that now you're listening back to going, what the fuck? This is good. Hip hop. Because, you know, getting yeah. the lyrical content and stuff like that. Okay. I'll take that. Like, what, what part of it didn't really resonate with you before, but does now? Uh, I guess uh, just because I grew up in a farm town, you know, I couldn't connect with, you know, the message and the culture. But now I understand the streets, like yo. Uh, yes. Because <laughs> I totally get the streets, yo. <laughs> you know, like getting older and like, you know, because I grew up with friends that were super into, I grew up in the era of like 3-6 Mafia when they were becoming the shit in Memphis. And, you know, I couldn't. And I still think Three Six Mafia isn't good or anything like that. But you become old, you get older, and you get back to, you know, listen to the stuff that uh, you heard a lot when you were growing up. Like I guess uh, when I was in high school, junior high, it was a lot of uh, a lot of Nas and Outkast kind of stuff. That's great shit, though. Yeah, and then you were like enjoy, you uh, kind of do your research on the art form in itself, and you're like, oh, this is why uh, they work so hard, and oh, this is why it gained so much popularity, and oh, this is why they're as regarded as they are. You respect the art form, yeah. but you peel yeah. it back a little bit. I don't know, man. I was pretty wide ranging. I don't think there is one that I look back and go, there's not. I'd say I've come across a couple jazz musicians that I'd say. I still haven't. Uh... <laughs> but it has. Interestingly, like I say that, but I haven't gone far enough into even to describe what kind of jazz I like. It can't right. be that. Musical vomit jazz. Yes, it can't right. be that kind of jazz where it's like all kinds of shits. Maybe like a blues jazz. Yeah, there's, there's, um, but there. I remember going. I would. I wrote off anything called jazz, and then I, I'd heard, and this isn't counting like the Louis Armstrongs of the world and shit like that. Yeah. But there was a couple of them where I go, oh man, that was really nice. I mean, there's they tend to be piano based, mm. and uh, so I think that might be as far as it goes, but for the most part, man, I'm so wide ranging. I, I'm all good. Yeah, I, know it. <laughs> I think hardcore, I d- didn't, uh, latch myself to until I started playing, uh, with deadlock and started recording with deadlock just because, you know, the vocal style and I the think harshness that could of be it one. too. Actually, that could be one. Yeah. Like some more hard. I, while I did come around in college, there was a time in high school. Where I was like, no man, like that's kind of like that's got nothing to it. And then right. I, I got back to like the Black Flags, mm, like Black okay. Flag, Municipal Waste. I would hear it and go, mm, "No, they're just yelling." Yeah. And then I got back to them and went, "No, that's awesome." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Black Flag and Municipal wa- nah, Waste. That, those were the main ones that kind of brought you back into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I I just totally dismissed it. I was like, this really kind of. Um, just being loud and aggressive to be loud and aggressive, which kind of is true. But then if you dig back through the catalog, you go, mm-hmm. no, this was purposeful. Yeah. Purposeful. I, I think, I, I think I went in reverse with you. I liked a lot of that hardcore punk and just like Boston hardcore and shit like that for a while, but I hadn't revisited that in quite a few no. years. Like I, I remember really loving blood for blood. Like that, oh, that, that was a go-to for I a while. I love that band. Oh yeah. Like, um, Outlaw Anthems, that's a fantastic album. And Serenity, that was a little bit different. I might listen to that shit on the way home now. So it's like, that was fantastic stuff. But it's like, again, I just hadn't revisited it in so long. I think so it's long. the beauty of it. It's like, you just go and, and just be in that music. Yeah. Like, you don't have to think about it. Like, you don't have to be listening to it. Mm-hmm. You just got to go, ah, uh, yeah. And, and playing it was so fun. Like, I was such a noob to this kind of shit, too. And record. As much as I don't don't care for the vocal style or whatever, like listening to it on a regular basis, 
getting Daigle behind the mic and like trying to give him direction was fun as shit. It's like, yeah. no, don't do it like this. Do it like this. <laughs> I got one. I got one. All right. I can't believe I left ACDC. Really? You're a late bloomer to ACDC? I had kind of, I always liked ACDC a lot, but you know, growing up, in in whatever you want to call my time, yeah, classic rock radio was incredibly pervasive, right? So yeah, you would hear constantly, like you shook me all night long yeah, and stuff like that. Black. And so I started to go, uh, you know, I like it, and I hear it at all the hockey games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And no one was ever there to go, no, dive into the Bon Scott years, yeah. And then it wasn't until. I remember going into 21 CG and saying, I don't want to be like ACDC, even though like mm-hmm. I hear the riffs and I like them. Yeah. I don't want to go that route. And Scott, Scott Roby was like, well, just let's dive <laughs> into the Bon Scott years and then tell me what you think. And then I started like getting into deep cuts and yeah. remembering how great some of those songs are in front to back albums and going, yeah. Fuck man, these are the best songs ever written in our genre. And so I don't think I ever it wasn't that I didn't like it. I loved ACDC, but yeah. I didn't have what I like my love affair currently for ACDC mm-hmm. got reignited at a certain point. Then you need to make me a playlist because that's been a band that's been hard for me to dig into. De- definitely all Bond Scott. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know. I think I didn't realize the brilliance of ACDC until I had my first band. His lyrics, man. And the yep. like, and rock the, and roll singer is, for me, one of the yeah, best that rock one. and roll songs. So, yeah. like, so, like, the way it all flows together, and I mm-hmm. go, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, you may not end up liking it anyway. Oh, no, but. well, I mean, but the, the DNA of it is stuff that I like. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. and I like uh, like shoot me all night long is one of the few I can actually still like that I actually enjoy because it's yeah. got that cool little guitar riff in it. It's can, like my least favorite. I was gonna say I could never yeah. hear that song again and be happy. Yeah. <laughs> that and, um, uh, not Hell's Bells, not Highway to Hell, Back um, in Black, no Dirty Deeds. That's another one I could put in that list too. Shoot the thrill. That's like the that's probably my favorite one from Back in Black. Now, yeah. I mean, back in black, I, I don't, obviously none of us were there, Yeah. but you have to kind of put yourself, because I've been actually, oddly enough, spinning back in black on my vinyl Nice. this week, and it's a front and a backer. It yeah. is a front and a back album, and you got to go, what must it have been like to be an ACDC fan knowing Bon Scott has died, Yeah. and go, this is the next album, you're being skeptical, Mm-hmm. And then you go front. Even the deep cut on that song is is really really good. Oh yeah, and it's like one of the top ten top ten best selling albums like yeah. whatever. Yeah. And rightfully, <laughs> but now with that said, if I'm gonna listen to ACDC, it's Bon Scott 100 percent of the time. So right. Power Age, yes, no hits. Seriously, that's <laughs> just a, front to back. Just I have rippers. that on vinyl. I have Power Age on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Throw the Switch or a Flick or of the Switch? Flick of the Switch, yeah. Throw the switch is a flick of the switch. Throw the switch is um stuck mojo. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> total tonal shift. Talking about nineties, yeah. Um, but like, but I, I was gonna say, I had a band that uh, we did a cover a whole lot of Rosie, and the drummer that played with us uh, would try to do like drum breaks and shit like that. And then after a while, we were like, "Why does this suck? Why? How come we're not nailing yeah. this song? It's because of the drum breaks." It's, 
You and can't it, put drum breaks on ACDC songs like that. It just dude, takes away the groove. Those songs are hard. I mean, we did um, we did whole lot of Rosie, but we also did what? Tell you not um, what was the one song they recorded a video in a church? Oh fuck! Uh, Let there be rock. Yeah, let there be yeah. rock. Yeah. Incredible. You go. You listen to the song and go. Ah, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Learn the thing. You're going. Holy shit, man. And then Bond's vocal range is ridiculous. It doesn't sound like Malcolm and the Cliff and Phil are doing much or anything like that, but it's the most solid fucking rhythm section. Yes. And it only works for that band, too, even though a zillion bands have tried to yeah. copy it. It's, I don't know, man. Uh, that would be, but talk about revisiting the yeah. question. Yeah, that's That would be the most pinpointed one. <laughs> and actually, it's a good segue. I feel like ACDs is one of those few bands that it's like you just don't try to cover. Yeah. Because they just had a certain vibe and a certain groove. Exactly what you're saying. The rhythm section was so tight that unless you are also an extremely tight band and you know you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's the reason you don't hear them a lot. No. You don't no. hear those songs a lot. You have those. Uh, I have a couple of those where it's like a, it's like the rule number one about uh, doing uh, this band songs is to just don't do those band songs. Yes. <laughs> Skinner might be another one. Oh, God, but everybody does. I think that's my point. <laughs> Leonard Skinner themselves has been doing it for 25 years. <laughs> Ever, I um, met Ricky Medlock oh, yeah. on an oh, yeah? airplane yeah, on the way to Vegas. How was that? He's a nice fella. I bet he is. So, like, it, oddly enough, my dad had just been on TV, like, randomly. And we were in first class. We are on, on our way to Vegas. Yeah. And they were playing Vegas that night. This was shit, man. 15 years ago. Right. So it was a while ago. And uh, my dad goes, this guy just recognized me from being on TV. And I was like, what? I think I know who that is. Like, I couldn't, like, and he goes, they're from, like, Leonard Skinner. And I was like, yes. I was like, holy shit. So they end up going. My dad had a radio show at the time. Yeah. And he had gotten Ricky's number. And Ricky was going to call in for the radio show. And I remember I was 17. This is what it was. I was 17. I was with my brother. No, I was 18. That's what it was. I was 18. My brother was way older than me. And my brother-in-law and my dad and my grandfather. We're doing this boys trip to Vegas. Yeah. And Ricky's like, all right, well, give me your number. I'll get all of them into the show. So this is, so they're playing House of Blues like in two nights. We happen to be there. And... We get to the House of Blues. I'll never forget this scene. So we get there, and the bouncer's like, it's 21 and over. Oh. Yeah. My brother and my brother-in-law are like, peace. They go in. <laughs> and I'm 18. My dad, who doesn't give two shits about Leonard Skinner, is like eating dinner with my grandfather. Yeah. And I'm talking like, if you ever see my dad, you think you got curly hair? My dad's got like the <laughs> typical curly Italian hair uh, he's like five eight maybe <laughs> mustache and my grandfather who's since gone was like five foot nothing yeah looks like he's from the godfather they're <laughs> nice in, they're at an italian restaurant i run up to him i'm like guys they won't let me in my dad whispers something to my grandfather like he is the godfather my my grandfather's like yeah 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 whatever let me finish my wine yeah my dad goes up to the bouncer calls ricky He's like, hands in the phone. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so the bouncer goes, if I see him drinking a beer, he's out. Yeah. And I was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> so that was my one moment in the Ricky Medlock yeah. got you a hookup. Yeah, my dad got of all things, my dad right. got so but that was he was not so That was, was cool though. Long story short, my yeah. The Ricky Medlock got me into his show and it was awesome. I mean And then and then you passed it down later on when we played Uproar Festival, you lied your way into the pit. That's right. <laughs> I did. I totally did. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, You can't come in. I was like, We played tonight and I showed him my my stage badge and he was like come on in here oh no like, you, you took it a step further it's like we, we we went all the way down and then they were like where's the pass and you just kind of just quickly flashed it and they're like that, that's not the right one you're like oh but we played earlier and they're like well regardless you know that's not the right pass for the area you threw out some random ass name I don't remember who it was it was like John said that part of us playing is that we would have pit access to the main event. I can go ahead and get him on the phone. <laughs> and she was like, who are you guys? And you're like 21st century Goliath. And you handed her one of the cards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, awesome. and then she like looks at it. She picks up her fucking notepad, kind of flips through. Like she's looking at something that looks at it, like, all right, y'all come on in. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we had like artist badges, but it was like not, it, it was literally not set. like not it this wasn't stage. like a valid like a valid fucking like pass. Or it was like, like one that. of those. You're an artist on one of those stages. Right. Yeah, <laughs> not here. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that that was the. They don't have to pay to get in. They're they're fine. The, That's the, all that meant. It's what, like they don't have to pay to park. That's park? all that wristband meant. Yeah. What's the part in rush hour where Chris Tucker like is trying to show uh, Jackie Chan how to be cool with the uh, with the ID? Yes. Because <laughs> like you just flip it open, flip the clothes. <laughs> flip it open, flip the clothes. <laughs> now I remember that was actually a really fun event because that's the only time that we've shown up to a thing and people walked up and went, "All right, where's your gear?" Yeah. <laughs> what do you need? Roadies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What do you need? We're like, and it was like, we were not prepared for that. Yeah. We we're like, uh, we have people to direct. We're yeah. used to doing this by ourselves. Our trailer's over there. I guess load it up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And they're like, okay, pop. And within like two minutes, there was like five people like pulling everything out going, where's this going to be set? Where's this going to be set? We're like, uh, uh, I don't know yet. We got to get everything up and measure and figure it out. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Stage manager. <laughs> I'm just the talent. <laughs> there were fucking rock star cans with water in it. Yep. <laughs> I remember those. Got to stay on brand. Yeah. <laughs> they're, if they're, they're putting it on. They got to keep put it out there, right? That's right. <laughs> Can you imagine being on a fucking hot stage like that in the middle of the day with energy drinks like that, though? Hell no. Brilliant. <laughs> <sighs> Did some crazy shit, man. Lived like what rock was that from? Like winning a uh, Battle of the Bands thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got... That was... Yeah, that was the Battle of the Bands. Uh, actually, was that? Yeah, that was the battle. Okay. Where it was online. One of those things where we kind of figured So I remember out. the Slash thing was online. Yeah, the Slash was online. Like, all these things end up getting to a voting stage, right? Yeah. By people that don't want fuck-ups on there. But I feel like that was a trend. You don't really see that many voting things I was anymore. wondering if it's just because I'm getting out of the scene, but like... I don't see that happening anymore. Because I remember for a while, there was a big, like for anything, Warp Tour, you know, yeah. a big national coming through. Sign up to this website. Right. Vote for us once a day. Hit the specific share button, you know, this, that, and the other. Not even on Facebook or anything like that. You yeah, I mean, see, that's like, where you would see like, that. Our yeah. thing was, if you got into the top 10, then it went to a voting panel. And yeah. that's where we always felt we had a chance. So we would find... This is a secret if anyone ever cared. Yeah. We would find the other bands that were in contention and mm-hmm. be like, 
y'all, let's all keep voting for each other every day. Yeah. And then leave it to the judges. Yeah. Like, that was the best way to do it. I mean, that's the way to do it. Like, drive down to the people that were just there. Yeah. Right? That and really then, weren't promoted. They just put their name on right. it and, and just hope for the best. You would all, like, vote each other up. And then if you got it to a judge stage, you had a shot. And that's yeah. how we did... That's how we won the Guitar Center one. That's I was about to ask. That was a Guitar Center thing. Yeah, that was a Guitar Center one. We, that's how we got uproar. Because mm-hmm. um, that's just the way to... It, I mean, the, I wouldn't say that's really cheating at it. It's like you're actually just trying to get a panel of people that know yeah. this artist, that know the festival, that know what's right. going to work with it. If you're confident enough, it's like, this is going to work. Just get it in front of actual ears that are going to make a, a vote. Exactly. <laughs> and this, and this was pre-Spotify and all that too, right? Yep. Sp- yeah, I mean, Spotify had been around, but no one was really no using one was it. On it. Right. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as prevalent. It was still as it iTunes was. days. Yeah, definitely. Yep. It, God, fucking iTunes days. <laughs> I remember I when it was it. a big deal to get your shit on iTunes. Right. People would ask, <laughs> "Are you on iTunes?" Uh huh. <laughs> we still have to uh, tell. We have to remind people we're on Spotify. Like, yes, we're on there. What the fuck? That's like the one people that, uh, the one thing everybody asks is like, are you guys on Spotify? It's like, yes, stream it. (laughs) I don't hear anybody asking about iTunes anymore. Mm -mm. Fuck no. It's not user friendly. Silly. (laughs) Super Jet. Super Jet. I'm excited for the future of that, man. Yep. Especially with these new songs. It's going to be shit hot. Shit hot. We just figured out maybe we're going to do different Turbo Negro song? Turbo Negro, which one is it? I, I, listen, I, I listened to that one earlier today. I, I don't think that works with what we're wanting to do. I don't know, it's called cl- Erection. Yes, but have you listened to it recently? Yes. Th- there are live versions of it where it's definitely tighter, like with the new singer and everything. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get Matthew to sing it. <laughs> I'll take a break. <laughs> well, it does actually feel like it's kind of come down to a natural wind down yep. here. We nerded out on music again. That's right. I love it when we Not do wrong that. with that. Yep. Not at all. But it's time to dig on into that Spotify playlist and dig into a little bit more music as we figure out what the hell we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. <laughs> Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, Captain, what the hell have you been listening to? I got a twofer this week. Oh, you uh, got a twofer? I, got a, I was saying earlier, uh, I've been playing this like nonstop since it came out, the new Lucifer track, mm-hmm. Midnight Phantom. It's probably like the hookiest song they've put out so far, which is wild because I don't know the last couple of albums they put out, at least the, the second album they, they put out has been sabbath hooky if you know what i mean yeah exactly for those that don't know lucifer is black sabbath with a pretty blonde chick singing for him <laughs> she is nice looking <laughs> <laughs> who happens to be the wife of uh, nick anderson from uh, helicopters imperial state electric and uh he plays drums in that band so definitely check out midnight phantom it's coming off of their uh, latest album that's gonna be uh i don't know when it's coming out go to their website you'll see it <laughs> Fire up the Google machine. You'll see it. <laughs> I also checked out the new Ozzy record. I heard some of that. It's on, not bad. On the Boneyard. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, th- the last track is the one that he pushed with Post Malone that has like a trap beat and shit all over I it. I didn't that, hear that. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's bad. But he has another track with Post Malone that's 
not terrible. Like it's the one right before. But it's also not good. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of good. It's kind of good, but it's kind of all over the place too. Uh, he does one with Elton John. It's called mm-hmm. or, that's the title track, Ordinary, Ordinary Man. Ordinary Man. I, I think that's yep. a nice song. I mean, like I like it. And you could tell, and you, and then underneath the graveyard or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that them. was the first single they put out, and then they, uh, I think they put out "Straight to Hell" was the other one, was just like the Ripper opener track. I think Duff McGagan plays bass yeah. on a couple tracks. Slash plays on a couple tracks. I got a lot of like session guys. So with this interestingly one. enough, just for fun, mm-hmm. I happened upon the Sirius XM when they did like a track by track, and so they're like Duff, whoa, the bass. I was like, I'm assuming. Duff McKagan, right? So you just yep. affirmed yeah. it. And he's like, yeah, I was really channeling like Black Flag on this one song. And I was like, what? All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, but I, I caught a couple songs with that album and it was interesting to hear the guys talk about it. They're totally stroking each other's nuts, though. <laughs> I oh, yeah, Swarming on it. Was that Steve Jones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tony, what the hell have you been listening to? Man, I have not stopped listening to The Church of the Cosmic Skull. Dude, I've been listening to that some, too. <laughs> I, I have tried to figure out what they're like, and I just the best way to put it is Thin Lizzy and Black Sabbath, but in a new way. But the al- I can see that. The album covers are wild. They look like ABBA. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, they got a cello player. Yes. They've got... In there, they got like two female backup singers. And I think mm-hmm. Cello Girl is also a backup singer. I, I want to so. say so. Yeah. It's then like the Fender- guitar player, bass, and then a Hammond organ. Yeah. They got cool videos, too. Yes, great videos. So visually, they're amazing. Uh, sonically, I love them. And I just like, uh, you know, I've been really running the gamut through all their albums. Their last one was Everybody's Going to Die. Uh, but before oh, that, that science fiction and is Satan real? But some standouts were Cold Sweat, which is really That's my favorite one. Really thin, Lizzie. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, Evil in Your Eye just gives me this haunting kind of. There's an evil in your eye. It's Don't way we? different. Like you can yeah. tell it definitely tell the influences, but it's a way different. Like it's the music's like stands out on its own. Where like they're their own thing, which yeah. is great. So oh, yeah. it's exciting to just happen i don't know how i found them i think it might have just been a youtube suggestion yeah because i remember seeing like the thumbnail many times like on facebook or on youtube or something so it's like something has recommended it to me in the past and then you started playing it cap started playing it and then chris picked it up so it's like everyone around me has been listening to it a lot yeah. more were they based it, out of like the uk or something yeah okay uh, you don't see any shows of course uh, <laughs> in the u.s so they're out of uk but it's been a pleasant it's just been nice finding a new band where it's outside of all the things you listen to it, absolutely it's kind of like hanging out in its own little area so mm-hmm. it's been awesome no i found a few like that like uh one band rosser out of atlanta they, they kind of hit like that 80s cars new wave kind of vibe so it's like that's been fun to really listen to it's been outside of that speaking of which i've totally learned it already the car song uh-huh you showed it to him yeah i showed it to him Dude, when he put I do it, my homework. When he put it on, uh, and uh, for those that don't know, we're well, we'll can we part. do it? Oh, I can, I can, t- I can do it. I think it'd be fun. 
We're playing a car song, Superjet. <laughs> You've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Superjet will be covering the cars. <laughs> and recording it. And recording it? Yes, we're going to do it in our style. All right. Fuck it. Y'all keep me on the road. Y'all talked about how I want to be full-time with this shit. <laughs> full-time on the Rug road in fucker. studio. <laughs> and technically, I've got a two for this week, too, but it's just two singles. Van Huskins released a new single, uh, yep. Post-Apocalyptic Birds. And I'm... It's one of those situations where I always enjoy friends bands that are constantly releasing new music because, again, to me, probably the coolest riff that they've kind of done so far. Eric is a great guitarist, and even Mike, he's playing some different stuff on bass with this. And I remember him kind of teasing it to us going, it's, it's still Van Huskins, but it's a little different. Right? The little difference working. I think I think they're kind of hitting that stride. I'm, I'm really digging. I really like their drummer and the choices he made on that track, too. Yeah, so definitely check that one out. And another uh, awesome single that came out, uh, Kiss and Tell from Wildlife. Uh, they're getting ready for a new record. The pre-orders are out now, and that new single kicks ass. Did you listen to that one? I yet? haven't. I saw it. I actually saw it. It shocked me that they... It feels like they just came out with new music. They've well, been they did singles here and there. Yeah, they did um, that. Uh, the EP that had uh, fuck. It's like I've come on, Christine. Yeah, come on, Christine. And yeah. The other one that. Sorry, guys. I These days. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So that they put that one out in 2018, and Damn. then time's and tw- flying. And then 2019, they did uh, Neon Nightmare, and I'm just looking for that girl, and that's a cover. So they're just putting out. And they did the two Christmas songs. They're peppering, well, the, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Peppermint one, Schnapps or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah. it was, which is a great song. <laughs> but the other one, another New York Christmas, pissed the season. That was an old song re-recorded. Oh, okay. So but they're just layering out singles, right? Yeah, but a lot of those are going to show up on the record that's coming out. Is on that the way now. music's going? That seems to be like we've talked about it with uh, not only outside our genre. I remember, like last time Kelsey was over here, she was plugging uh, somebody that was like teasing, you know, like two or three song EPs and then it's just going to dump the whole album. Light Machines kind of did that too. Yeah, Light it Machines It seems did like that. you come out with one album mm-hmm. and then you layer out singles and then just throw those on an album later. Well, I mean, that's kind of what we've discussed doing with this next one. Like we we were wanting to do like two or three songs, record them and just stagger release just online singles yeah. because that seems to be working for us. I mean, Return to Cinder had a small pop, but then Long Way to Go has doubled those numbers. So it's like, it seems like just that steady stream of music is helping that by the time we release this record and we're time to go in new studio. Plus, I like getting album artwork for individual songs. I like each song to have such a feel to it, and I like creating artwork per song. And it spreads your studio budget out a little bit. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them that part. <laughs> supposed to act rich. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like to, to spread this budget out wherever we want to record. <laughs> well, do Grave Rollers have any shows booked yet, Tony? No. No? You got anything to fucking promote? No. No. <laughs> All right. Well, let's back to our bullshit then. We've got some release shows coming up March 7th at the Rim with Home for the Day and Dragline and Mama Tequila. Then we're going to be going on down to Yesterday's Records in Seneca, South Carolina with Silver Tongue Devils and Bad Sons, I think it was. Oh, uh, no. It's not uh, Bad Sons. I, 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 the name. Yeah. The yeah. The, I, we're we're fucking me. idiots. I just had the fucking <laughs> dates written down. 
Baron Planet. There we go. Baron Planet. That's exactly <laughs> who it is. And then the following day, we're bringing Silver Tongue Devils right back up to us for the big Charlotte release show that we've also got Walburns on because DJ plays on the record. Might as well throw his band on too. Make it a big all family event. Oh yes. And then after that, we're going to be heading on down to the Art Bar on April third, and a bunch of other stuff lined up after that. That. We've either got lined up and then just no need to even talk about right now. Yes. <laughs> so when will this be released? This podcast? Oh, this coming Friday. All right. So I'm going to shout out to my nephews who are also Leones. Yes. So this Saturday, folks, at Repo Records. That's right. Right? At five o'clock, Wilma. Who That's right. I happen to know also. And Johnny better have gotten that one on his schedule. He uh, better have mentioned that during his Maverick Minute. I, I hope he did. <laughs> but I, I just talked to Matthew on the way actually over here, and they cranked out six songs in two days over what? there with Brandon Hamby. Yeah, Dead at, Peasant. At Dead Peasant. So he's, he's the annoyingly genius kid that I was talking about. <laughs> and uh, the fact that they cranked, first of all, the three of those assholes together is annoying. Like <laughs> Matthew, Steven, and, and DJ. I, can, I can't speak for uh, your nephews, but DJ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've heard him on the show. <laughs> They're good. They're yeah. good musicians. They're absolutely killer. And the fact that they can crank out six in two days while I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> makes sense. So Wilma definitely on, give them at some Repo love. Records, yeah. And uh, if anybody in the Stanton, Virginia area is listening i'll be uh up y'all's way with uh, kelsey playing a couple shows one at uh baja coffee and one that's just, well no the other one's a house party so yeah just the one you're not invited yeah <laughs> <laughs> no y'all are invited those are the parties we used to have to bring five oranges to get in <laughs> well tony thank you very much for yeah, coming man. back on and doing this with us and it's always a pleasure to have you on cheers cap do you have an cheers. outro for us i do Ooh, oh, what's he, what's he doing? That's the whiskey oh, talking. Uh, uh, yep. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
more often whenever you call. But to be honest, I just couldn't handle one more fucked up conversation with you. Cause I was yours, and you were mine, and we were heroes of our time. But what you gonna do when all of us are calling and life starts falling and all This has been another amazing production from the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.